Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we heard from Dolphins assistant coaches this week. We'll play the audio from that and get the details of my Q&A with a handful of the Dolphins assistant coaching staff. Plus, another signing. We'll break down quarterback Chris Trevler's game from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. I'm going to kick off this Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast by looking into new Dolphins quarterback Chris Strevler. And this is a pretty interesting player here joining the squad. And from just gathering some of the reaction from the media around the league, there's some belief in Strevler's upside here among draft Knicks and beat writers and national coverage guys. We talked in the podcast on Monday about having to find a solution at quarterback two, whether that's finding one on the free agent market in the draft or retaining Jacoby Brissett. But if you could get a player like Strevler in here and develop his game and a little bit of, you know, identifying him as such for the season, and that's not to cap his potential there by any means, but if you can get him into that role for the 2022 season and feel good about that, what a boon that would be. So another tire in the fire, so to speak, or an iron in the fire, I should say, with Chris Strebler. And he served as the Cardinals backup under Colt McCoy for that stretch of games last year when Kyler Murray was down. So technically QB3, but he has seen some NFL action the last couple of years. Nine of his 25 passes came last year, the rest in 2020. He had seven total rushing attempts for 21 yards. More on that in just one moment. In his career, 17 of 25 for a buck 41, a touchdown and a pick, and a total of 54 snaps played, 30 in 2020, and 24 last year. And though he was not deployed in this role with the Cardinals in the regular season, he's the type of quarterback that can function as part of your game plan with specific packages because of his very unique uh, running skill set. We talked about fullback John Lovett on the Wednesday podcast and his awesome, fun-to-watch Princeton tape where he's taking direct snaps and bowling over defensive backs. That's Strevler at South Dakota, and that's Strevler in the Canadian Football League. Like, go watch those clips. It's kind of hilarious. I think Josh Houts posted a clip of him just bulldozing some unassuming defensive back up there in the Great White North. Six foot one, 215-pound guy, and he packs a real punch. And his pro day numbers back in 2018 were... A 4-5-140 yard dash with a 125-inch broad jump and a 38.5-inch vertical with a 7.35 three-cone time. Those are really good, like, middle linebacker numbers. And for the layman, very, very, very explosive metrics at the quarterback position. We're going to have Kent Lee Platt on the podcast after the combine. He's the creator of the relative athletic scorecard, which cumulatively measures a player's workout numbers and categorizes the best scores by position and overall going back to like, you know, 1987 or something crazy like that. And Cam Newton is his number one quarterback ever on that chart who scored a perfect 10. And while pro days have traditionally produced better numbers in the combine, and Strebler did not work out at the Combine that year. 
But Cam was in the green, which is the elite category, for every measurement with a 4.640, a 6.92 three cone for a quarterback at that size, nonetheless, is completely absurd. 35 inch vertical and a 126 inch broad jump, lower body explosion. That's the name of the game for every position, for every sport. It all starts in the lower half. As Chubbs once said, it's all in the hips. That's the play style for Shreveler, the power running ability. So that alone fascinates me for the possibility of incorporating him as an offensive weapon in addition to his duties as a full-time reserve quarterback, if that were how it shook out. Watching some of his preseason work with the Cardinals, you better freaking maintain your rush lane integrity because he can hit the top of that drop and then get the hell out of there in a flash. There's a great moment from this past August against the Cowboys where he just hits the top of the drop, on a third down and three, sees a lane open up in the middle against, you know, man coverage, so there's no underneath hook linebacker hanging out, and he takes off for like 25 yards, and five of those yards were after contact as he just lowers his shoulder and, like he did in college, like he did in the CFL, runs over a defensive back. And you go back to his CFL tape, they're throwing passes to him, like Philly specials, letting him take those quarterback lead slash quarterback power snaps, as well as playing a true drop back game, And we should mention that the running game in the CFL, you know, afterthought's a strong word, but they don't use it very often because, well, you only get three downs. So to call those quarterback runs, that shows you how much confidence they had in his ability to get positive yards and ultimately led to them winning a Grey Cup up there under Strevler. That's their Super Bowl. Something else I think speaks to his athletic ability, he spent time with the Ravens. And look at the quarterbacks the Ravens have developed or attempted to develop under Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley this past season, successfully in my opinion. We know what he can do with his legs in the running game. That's what he was at Utah. That's what he was as a pro in relief of Lamar Jackson. Trace McSorley was drafted there. He was a scramble and create type of quarterback at Penn State and in his brief cameo there in the National Football League. And even RG3 who came back out of retirement. What's the theme there? They wanted athletic quarterbacks who could help maintain some semblance of that offense that Lamar Jackson ran, and nobody in the National Football League can run the same style as Lamar Jackson, but you want to have at least comparable analogs, and they always had that, and that's where Strevler wound up at one point in his career. And just watching more of the Cardinals preseason tape, I see a triple option reverse on tape, where he's the trigger man. I see him dropping a dime over the top of a fade route from about 25 yards out where his receiver stacked his defensive back and he just drops that thing right into the elevator shaft and down it goes into the bucket. His lone career touchdown pass was a jet sweep pop pass where he takes off on misdirection. So you get the idea of the skill set here, right? You have to go to the CFL to get a better grasp of his passing game skill set. But even there, you see a ton of Touchdown runs on goal-to-go situations. Quarterback lead, quarterback power like we talked about. But with the arm, there's a lot of drop back. See, it's not there. And then go off script and ad lib. And he was fantastic at that up in the great white north. He can really drive the ball to the perimeter. So a big, strong arm, which to me is always a nice pairing as far as getting a quarterback into your system and working with him and developing him to pair that with a good plus running skill set. You'll always take a chance on guys like that. To me, he's an intriguing player for two reasons here, or for a couple of reasons, but the main two, to develop him under McDaniel, Smith, and Bevel and staff. Curious about that. And then also number two, what he did in zone read, design quarterback runs from the pistol with the motion and misdirection game. There could be a possibility of something there with an eye towards some packages. You can utilize that skill set 
within. So good stuff there. Chris Trevler, another signing here in the month of February for the Miami Dolphins. Let's take a quick break here and go back to quite literally my favorite content we do here on the Drive Time Podcast. It's almost exclusively an in-season segment, but today we get to treat you to assistant coaches media availability. They met with us earlier this week. That next Drive Time Podcast with Travis Wingfield presented by AutoNation. Back here on the Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, and I am very excited about this, as I was bi-weekly on the in-season editions of Drive Time to bring you guys assistant coaches media, and we have a lot to get to here. I spoke to almost every single coach. I couldn't quite get to everybody. Pat and Sam had a lot of the scrum around them throughout the course of the day, so I didn't get any audio from Pat and I only spoke to Sam or was around Sam for a couple of minutes. So we'll go ahead and play the entirety of what I have for you guys here, starting with Mike McDaniel, who came out and addressed us before the assistant coaches came out and met with us. And he starts off with a great joke. So I'm microphone out here, so I, had, I couldn't resist. No, um, so excited um, today for you guys to meet the, the entire coaching staff. feel extremely proud. Um, and, uh, and blessed to have these men working with me. Um, the, the biggest thing with, with coaches in general um, that shouldn't be lost in all of it is it's about their ability to communicate to players because it's all about the players, really. And that's why I'm so excited um, about the group of guys you guys are about to meet, um, not only for their uh, aptitude in coaching, but really who they are as human beings and their ability to connect to players, I think will prove the, uh, the Miami Dolphins organization um, very proud moving forward. Um, starting with an, on offense, Frank Smith um, couldn't be happier to work with this, this guy. He is very diligent, um, very good at his job and a great leader of men that uh, I think all the players will really respond to and that people uh, will enjoy working for. Um, and also very excited um, to be working with Josh Boyer. Uh, not only is his, you know, I hated going against the scheme really. Um, not only does he do a great job with that, but his ownership of that scheme um, is really gonna be awesome moving forward for the Miami, Miami Dolphins and all the players involved. And he's surrounded by, by outstanding individuals um, that command the respect of players, but also know, uh, are, are true to the whole vision of what coaching should truly be and that's um, a dedication to getting each and every player better um, one day at a time. So without further ado, I want to introduce them as fast as possible so you guys can get through it. So then we can, uh, I don't know, continue our planned Wes Welker versus Pat Sertain and Sam Madison one-on-ones that barring old man injury, uh, hopefully is a fixture for uh, Miami practices uh, moving forward. Yeah, right. I believe most of us would pay to see that. So hey, he's just joking around there, maybe about the one-on-ones, the old man injury. But let's go ahead and kick this off here with, let's go to Frank Smith, who you heard Coach talk about first there. He did also talk about Josh Boyer and Hayton going against that scheme. I asked Boyer about that. We'll come back to that. Let's go ahead and get to Frank Smith here first. And first, when I approached Coach Smith, he was answering a question from another reporter who had asked about outside zone, wide zone schemes. And he basically talked about how in his 
coaching career and his stops, they were able to adapt to the players they had in their systems. And he referenced his time with the Oakland Raiders before the move to Las Vegas with Rodney Hudson and Kalecio Semele, who are two massive, massive human beings. And you might recall, you might not, the Raiders were one of the primary gap slash power scheme teams in the NFL those years. So it's not just about zone, outside zone, that type of thing. It's about adapting to your scheme. So that was a big part of really all these coaches' messages here on this uh, Wednesday we spoke to them. But let's go ahead and get to, back to Frank Smith here, Dolphins offensive coordinator. I asked him about what is the one common theme across all these players for yourself and all these other coaches who have managed to get career years out of players so many stops along the way in your guys' career. What's the key to that? Uh, I think that the biggest thing that um, collectively us as, as coaches, I think we're – uh, communication skills are really strong, uh, and that starts with listening. So I would think that um, listening to your players, uh, hearing what they have to uh, say about uh, what they're doing. Also, when you're explaining to them, you're listening at the same time. So I think that it's a game of people, and when you want to win with people, it's a two-way communication than one way. And I think that's where um, a lot of our, the staff, you can tell, they're really, really good communicators. And uh, makes our process so far been really seamless from that standpoint. So, um, and that's also holding uh, players to a standard that you're going to hold yourself to. So, I think a lot of people sometimes it's easy to, you know, say one thing and not be about it. And I think that's one thing here is going to be uh, we're going to try to excel in communication and hold ourselves and basically everyone in the program to a standard of excellence. Up next, I wanted to ask Coach about the idea of the collaboration across the staff with his offensive coordinator and run game title, Daryl Bevel's passing game title, Coach McDaniel as the play caller, and how all of that and the entirety of the staff comes together for one ultimate plan. Here's Coach Smith. Uh, I think the big thing of regardless of whatever title you have, because we have a tremendous amount of experience on the staff, I think whatever it is, it's ultimately... Um, game planning process, building offense processes, uh, collaborative together as you're looking at uh, what they did in San Francisco versus uh, experiences that uh, you know I've had, different things we've done. Uh, Matt Cohen has a little bit of a college perspective. John and Wes were with uh, Mike in San Francisco. Bev and his wealth of experience. Eric and everywhere he's been. I mean, you look at the staff, there's a ton of experience in different facets, a lot of NFL experience, and then um, perspective. I think when you have perspective and experience uh, with good guys who communicate well, uh, we're going to build something that is obviously tailored to our players that's going to hopefully bring out what they do well. And I think all those, like you to circle back around, titles and all that just give, you know, a wealth of, like, you know, Ever, whatever for the hiring process, but ultimately it's going to be all of us coming together, putting our heads together to make sure we get what's right for the players. Next, I asked Coach about playing in South Florida and recognizing the early season temperatures you get in September and October and the like. Here's Coach talking about what that weather has been like on the other side of the sidelines. I've been on the other part of it where the team <laughs> melted when we came here. So in Oakland in 2018, in the fourth quarter, we do, guys were passing out on the sideline. I mean, it was unbelievable. And now that was the first thing I thought about when I was in the building staring at the stadium going, this is going to be awesome because now we get to be a part of watching them melt. Uh, so literally that was one of the first things that uh, I remember uh, talking to Mike about 
But I mean, I think it starts with, uh, you know, ultimately circling back around to what we're trying to build here. And as a, as a program is uh, uh, standard performance. And the standard performance takes part every day, whether it's inside or outside. And if you have that uh, measuring stick, the practice field will be so competitive that it would be just basically, you'll take that from out here and just put it on the field. So as I'm not trying to knock over the table, uh, but basically like that is where you want to go. You create that practice habits that go onto the field on Sundays and Mondays that just make it all worthwhile. And the training is really as hard or if not harder than the game. I've been watching this team for about 25 years. I'd say every two years, there's a guy on TV that throws up on the opposition. So I know <laughs> it's pretty, pretty uh, common. I had, a, I had one guy almost pass out and then another one had full body cramps. So, it was, oh, it was like, and we're from Northern California, so we're, you know, there's nothing you can do because you can't simulate this environment. There's no humidity. So there you have Coach Frank Smith talking about his experiences here in some early season games in South Florida. Let's go ahead and spin this over to the defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, who was asked about the philosophy of building the defense. Is it back to front in the way you build a defense? Here's Coach Boyer. So I, I think basically what you do is you try to accumulate good players that, again, and there's there's certain guys that are fits for different schemes. And, you know, you always try to get guys that you feel like can fit in your scheme or have a skill set that will fit in your scheme. And I think you take from that pool, you take the best players available, and then you kind of retool what you're doing from there. And next, back to the question I asked Coach Boyer about what Mike McDaniel said about hating going up against this defensive scheme that Boyer has overseen the last couple of years. Here's Josh Boyer on how he and McDaniel can kind of help give each other eyes on the opposite side of the football. It's awesome, you know, because especially when you, you, you get firsthand knowledge of a certain scheme or a certain, how, certain type of offense of why they're installing, what their adjustments are, um, you know, and I, I've been in such a, you know, call it one system type thing that the offense has kind of been this, and this is from afar, you're like, you think this, you think that. And sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, you were right on that. Okay. This is how they do it. And then there's other little, um, I would say little tweaks to how they do it or how they teach it that kind of give you a knowledge of, you know, when you're going up against guys that, you know, from common systems, you're like, okay, when you see it on film, you're like, all right, okay, that makes sense. Or, you know, and again, you, like week to week, you you go in and you study guys and like, you know, okay, or, and just because somebody comes from someplace, like Zach Taylor, he's a, he's a great example of like, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's McVay, it's McVay. It's like, no, it's not really McVay. I mean, you know, Mike Sherman, you know, that that's his big influence. And like, you know, and again, they're all intertwined and they all have their own little thing about them and they all do a great job. But it, yeah, it's been awesome to sit there and talk to Mike about his experiences and how he builds an offense and uh, the, the things that he does there. Did you ever get back in the paper for a big hit later on after that freshman nope, year? No, Josh Biner, that was it. <laughs> come on, so man. That, 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 that's what happened. You can't, um, you can't get a big hit. I can't, I can't never I can't. come back in the varsity again. Like, you had three more years. You had to have had some big Oh, oh yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, I was, but like, that was the, but I stopped, but to be honest, I stopped Stop looking. Looking. I went ahead and included that last little note there because Coach talked about how when he was a freshman in high school, he got called upon for a big spot in a varsity baseball game and got the game-winning knock, and he was so pumped to go check the paper the next day, and when he did, they put Josh Biner in the newspaper, so he, he never looked at the paper again after that, and I know exactly what you're talking about, Coach, because in our paper, it was if you get two hits in the game, your name automatically goes in the paper, so I was always pumped up to check it after that. 
Luckily, it was never Winfield, even though my head coach always called me Travis Winfield. Let's go ahead and go back to the offensive side of the football now. And quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel, and I asked coach, as you heard Frank Smith say earlier, about his wealth of experience and knowledge in this game as an offensive coordinator going back to 2006. That's been the role he's been in. And now as the quarterbacks coach here, he talked a little bit about how the offense goes with the quarterback. Thought it was very good insight here from coach about how that experience helps him in this position at quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator with the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I mean, I've, I've been around, um, I mean, very fortunate in my career to be around some great quarterbacks, you know, also some great quarterback coaches. Um, as the offense coordinator, never got far away from that that spot. You know, I mean, that's really where the, you know, the game is played on offense. Um, so I spent a lot of time in that room. So a lot of confidence to be able to do this. We hear the term quarterback friendly offenses all the time. What is that? Like, how would you describe what a quarterback friendly offense is? Uh, I think it's, you know, things that, that the one, the things that the quarterback does best and then two um, is when you have, like we were just talking about, when you have the, the ability to run the ball, you know, that, that is very quarterback friendly. You know, there's, um, instead of having, you know, 75 plays where pressure's on the quarterback every play, you know, now you're taking it down to, you know, 45 plays where, you know, he has opportunity to kind of take a breath. Trucking along here on the offensive staff with assistant head coach and tight ends coach John Embry, who I asked the same question I posed to Frank Smith about, and I listed the names for him, and he he knew each one as I went along the list of of Tony Gonzalez, of Chris Cooley, of Cameron Brait, of Cameron Jordan, or I'm sorry, Jordan Cameron, and as well with um, more recently George Kittle with the 49ers. How do you get that peak performance out of those players? What's the common trait across those players? Here's Coach Embry. <laughs> uh, the one trait that does go through all of those guys because they're all different type players is they love football and they're willing you know they're willing to let me coach them and you know that's that's a big thing not everyone wants to be coached because you know I tell those guys my job is to never be satisfied and so you can come off a big game or certain things and then you come in and I'm like, yeah, but yeah, but hey, this isn't, you can't keep doing this. And, and so if you're a person that wants to just revel in what just happened, it's not going to work. But if you have that short memory and understand like, hey, you got that 24 hours to enjoy it. Let everyone tell you how great you were, because when you come in Monday, I'm going to tell you all the things you didn't do right and how we got to work at it to get better. So if you love football and you're a true competitor, that's where, and that's what all those guys have in common. They're true competitors. They don't listen to the outside noise like Cam Bray. You know, I had Cam on the practice squad basically for two years, you know, just trying to, to develop him and teach him. And I remember <laughs> the first time he hit the sled, it hit him, <laughs> you know, but he didn't flinch and he, and he kept working and grinding. Same with Jordan. When I got Jordan in Cleveland, it's, it's, uh, when it, it's, it's fun for me as a coach. It's probably more fun for me as a coach when you get that clay, so to speak, and you get to mold it and, and it's not going to fight you back and you get to help try to create it, help create something that, that, you know, has an opportunity to be special. And then all those guys obviously have 
a lot of talent. Yeah. You know, that, that goes without saying. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned love of the game. This is not your position group, just a quick. Mm -hmm. Have you met Christian Wilkins yet? No, I haven't. Yeah, you're, you're going to love him. I love it. He loves, <laughs> he loves football. He's a little bit up there. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a character. But um, you know, I'm sure you got this already earlier, but, you know, obviously you have some experience with Coach McDaniel. Uh -huh. And I've heard all these stories about, you know, the way he watches tape and the way he puts himself in and just buries himself in the film room and kind of comes up with things. Obviously, you've watched tape with him in your career, too. What's yeah. What have those film sessions been like? Like, what's can you describe them for us at all? Um, I'm actually not in there while he's doing all of it, but I might be in there while he's doing some of it. And, you know, Mike is, is unbelievably detailed. Uh, I think one of the, another great trait of his is he has great patience and he's not afraid to fail. You know, he will tinker and, and tries different things. I remember the first time we, uh, did, we call it spirit motion. It's where a guy basically motions full speed and then we do different running plays off of it. And I think the guys were kind of looking around like, are we really gonna do this? Like, he's, what's wrong with them? And then all of a sudden we're practicing and it was working and now they, they love it. And then they nicknamed themselves the Spirit Bros. So it's like only certain guys were getting to do it and the other guys wanted to do it. And then you go fast forward a year later, you got Trent Williams doing it, you know? Trent being a spirit bro. So uh, he is very creative and he has great patience. And I think, you know, when you're creative like that, there's going to be times things don't work. And, you know, the great thing about him is that doesn't prevent him from trying or tweaking or fixing or and doing it. And, and the thing about what we do when we fail and when it doesn't work, it's it's on the biggest stage that you can be on, you know? And so you have to be able to block out the crowd noise, which I think he does, AKA Twitter, uh, Instagram, all those different things and all that and, and media and, and, and focus and really trust and believe in your plan. And, and I think that Mike has, has proven that over his career. He trusts and believes in his plan and it's landed him in this position. We have two more coaches here on the offensive side to cover. We'll go ahead and pick it up with Matt Applebaum, Dolphins offensive line coach. And I posed the question that you heard Frank Smith talk about earlier with regards to the vast experience and different experiences of guys at the college level, National Football League level. Here's Matt Applebaum talking about the college experience, NFL experience, and what it can ultimately do for him at this level and this role with the Miami Dolphins. I, mean, I think... Uh... I don't know, we're all a product of our experiences, and I try to pull from all my experiences in a positive way. So I don't know if there's like a, you know, a direct correlation that I was just in a college program, and you know we got some young guys, but maybe it will play out that way. You know, um, maybe from a scheme perspective, I mean, there's um, there's some carryover. We ran a, a very pro style attack at, at BC, uh, but other college jobs I had, we didn't, and maybe. You know, some of that stuff can get dabbled in or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm one to just try to pull from all my experiences and, and use them moving forward. So when you kind of sell scout, look at what you're inheriting here on the Dolphins offensive line. What have you seen so far? You know, we're it's brand new, man. You know what I mean? We're all just been here for a short order. Uh, like I said, we're trying to do a lot of things, uh, get to know each other, put the scheme together, put the playbook together, figure out what we have here, figure out free agency, figure out the draft. So. You know, I can't give you the type of thorough answer that you deserve for that, um, but I'm excited to work with those guys. Um, you know, I have watched some, and I feel like there are some guys in the room that have ability, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting my hands on them. 
All right, there's Coach Applebaum. Let's go ahead and finish up on the offensive side before we take a break and then get to the defensive coaches on the other side here with Wes Welker, who I asked about the process of the Debo Samuel position change last year. Not position change, but maybe role change to get more handoffs and how that kind of coincided with the Niners' offense taking off and the winning streak they went on after that as a result. How did that kind of plan come to fruition with you in the receivers room with Debo Samuel, Mike McDaniel as the run game coordinator, and the entire staff that are working on that? How did it all come together? Well, I, you know, there was a few times uh, even last year, uh, especially like at New England, um, where we put him in the backfield uh, a, a few times. Um, you know, it, it's you know, it's a matchup night, nightmare. And, um, you know, I always knew how Bill was about matchups and everything. So, um, you know, when you're on third down and you get a first down, then you go fast and you put Debo in the backfield and you're 11 personnel. Next thing you know, you're in 21 personnel and, you know, and he's pretty much one of the best running backs in the league as well. So it's, um, it's, it's really tough on defenses and, and matching you up and whether they need to go base, whether they need to go nickel, all these different things. It's, um, you know, it really messes with defenses as far as uh, that goes. And, and then uh, we, we just kind of built on it and, you know, and I think we, we had some running backs go down and, and um, you know, we had some uh, rookies and stuff like that playing running back that, you know, maybe weren't ready for those 25, 30 carries a game where, you know, um, you know, Debo's, you know, he's a big kid and, and uh, you know, he's, he's a hell of a player. And, and um, you know, being able to uh, maybe take, you know, five to 10 of those runs um, off those young guys' plates. How much of that can you translate over to here? Because I don't think you brought Debo with you. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't? No. Oh, geez, man, what are we going to do? Uh, no, um, I think you, you build it around your personnel, and you kind of build from there. Um, it's not like we uh, drafted Debo right off the bat and said, all right, we're going to make him a running back. Um, you know, we wanted to make him a receiver and build him up as a receiver and coach him up as a receiver and and then it just kind of happened to, um, you know, kind of start to move him into running back a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I think it's all about the skill sets of your guys and and um, how comfortable they are uh, with all those positions. And, you know, Debo's, you know, extremely smart kid. And um, But you have to build to that. You, you can't sit there and start right off the bat, okay, you're going to play receiver and running back your rookie year or anything like that. You. It's something that happens over time, and you continue to work with guys and and uh, prepare them and get them ready. And um, some guys can handle that, some guys can't. Um, you know, and Debo's was just one of those special players that, that could handle it. What do you see when you watch uh, Jalen Waddle on tape? Um, I see speed. I, I see you know the acceleration. I see a passion for the game. I see um, you know a, a guy that's that's not scared. Um, you know and just a heck of a football player and um you know anytime you know no matter the skill set and all those different things you you got to have a mind for the game and he definitely has that and you know looking forward to working with him on that so there you go wide receivers coach Wes Welker talking about Jalen Waddle and just the experience of adapting your scheme for a player and having a plan for the player to develop them in certain areas great stuff there we're going to take our last break here on this Friday edition of the drive time podcast and come back on the other side and get to the rest 
of the defensive assistants I spoke to. Drive Time Podcast brought to you by Auto Nation. Drive Time Podcast, a Friday edition here as we get ready to close up the month of February and head into March for the scouting combine, ultimately free agency, and then finally the draft in April. After that, we go back now to assistant coaches media, and I spoke to Dolphins defensive line coach Austin Clark and asked him a little bit about Jalen Phillips and his rookie season and year number two and what he's looking forward to for the second year player in that second season. Yeah, I think for him, and he would tell you this, is is becoming a three-down player, you know, playing a run at a high level, continually to, to develop his pass rush at multiple spots, um, you know, and just becoming more reliable. I think it's, it's a hard thing to do as a rookie like he did and come in and, you know, see that he had that streak of production where he kind of figured it out, you know, and I think he was, you know, he was a little dinged up in preseason, so that kind of hurt him a little bit. But to have a full off season of OTAs, you know, build on the things he was he was good at, and then take some of those areas of growth, uh, and and just keep going with it, and just focus on them throughout OTAs. That's what I think is nice about that stuff, and then carry that into training camp, and uh, you know, play playing every game healthy. You know, was really proud of what he did and how hard he plays. You know, this guy plays freaking hard, and and we're fired up about it. Finished up here with Coach Clark about the retention of himself and some other defensive assistants and just assistants across the entire staff and what that says about McDaniel's plan and approach and the importance of those relationships and the maintaining of them. Here's Coach Clark talking about coming back to the Miami Dolphins under a new head coach. Yeah, I would say, you know, I was fired up, Coach McDaniel, giving me the opportunity personally because, you know, I love this organization, love these players, and love the direction it's going. And then to, to meet him and hear his vision and, uh, you know, the other coaches, like them guys over there with all those people over there, to bring to, to know that there's, like, phenomenal coaches, players, people. Uh, I think, you know, he's built a hell of a staff. And, you know, not, not just, like, the position coaches, you know, like Derek LeBlanc and some of these other guys that, that he's bringing in here to help out the front and the defense, you know, and uh, just fired up about that, man, and really like the vision of the, of the program and lucky as hell to be a part of it. So the guys he was talking about, and I apologize for some of the audio here. It was windy. There were some trains and construction. Just a lot going on out there. But the guys he was talking about were Pat Sertan and Sam Madison, who, again, had scrums around them the entire time. Let's go ahead and pick it up here with Sam Madison, who was asked about, well, what else? The special opportunity to come back, not just by himself, but with his former counterpart in lockdown corner on the other side of the field and Pat Sertan. Here's Sam Madison talking about that experience and the opportunity they have here in South Florida back with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, man, the only thing we, you know, we talked about was, like, I I, I thought he would uh, eventually got a college head job or a college job somewhere, and I was like, hey, just make sure you come back and get me, and I'll come coach for you. But uh, didn't see this coming out of the blue, um, lying on my couch <laughs> and getting ready to go back. Cause we were on vacation now and I was, I was home and my phone just rung at an awkward hour and it was coach Reed. So, uh, just happy and thankful, you know, to be back here in South Florida, but yet and still be able to come back to an organization that I know that I care about, that I love and hopefully being able to, uh, help the young men, um, eventually get the best out of their career playing in the national ball. And Sam Madison will of course be coaching a pair of very accomplished cornerbacks like himself and Pat Sertan and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. What does he see in those two players? 
They have, they have it, you know. Um, X is definitely one of the tops in the league right now. Uh, you look at Byron, he's go out there, he challenge, and you know, our our job is coming here and get those guys better, and, and the guys that's behind us, and show them little small things that you know, because they've been in the league long enough, they understand and know exactly you know how to get through a season, knowing that it's going to be grueling, and it's totally different, Joe. Like, uh, you know, this is the first year for. 17 games it was rough you know and now being able to talk these guys through it how to get through it but just knowing that every game is going to be that important you can't have a day off you can't have a game off you know it's just going to be fun to be able to give them the things that they need to be able to go out there and and and, and help us win football games but I'm not going to be easy. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be demanding. And that's what they, I think they would expect. That's what we expected. Mel demanded the best out of us each and every day. We demanded the best out of each other, each other when we're in practice, doing games. And that's the same thing that, that we've been preaching and, and talking since our kids been little and seven on seven and all those other different things. And that's what we're going to do now. Great stuff there from the legend. Let's keep it going with another former player here and Stephen Gregory, who I asked, what is the benefit for you to have both played and coached in a similar system because he played with the Patriots when Josh Boyer coached there, and he also coached with the Lions under Matt Patricia in a similar scheme. Here's safeties coach Stephen Gregory on how that helps him prepare for this job with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. You know, um, Obviously, uh, being a player back in New England when I was there uh, within this system helped me uh, you know, really develop a good knowledge of, of how to not only coach the system, but play in the system, uh, kind of be able to relate to the players, you know, what it's like to be in those positions, uh, the communication, the terminology, everything that goes with it. And then obviously, you know, my time in Detroit was kind of running the same system with Matt Patricia there and, um, you know, getting an opportunity to coach in it and then learn all the nuances of, of the different levels of the defense, uh, you know, just prepares me to kind of help these guys as much as I can uh, and you know obviously some of the different wrinkles and different things that they've adapted and developed over the years uh, which I learned you know some more things last year uh, being here uh, I think it all it all encompasses a, a good foundation of, of trying to teach and, and develop. Last question here for coach Gregory what do you think you've got in those two impressive young safeties in Javon Holland and Brandon Jones? Just yeah um, obviously you know the natural uh, natural instincts and the, the athleticism that they bring, the, the speed at which they play the game is uh, are things that you love. Um, obviously, they're still young. Uh, they're still young players in their career, and there's still so much that they can learn from a, a formation identification, route recognition, offensive concepts, you know, just being able to see things a little bit faster that'll help them, you know, put themselves in position to make more plays. Uh, you know, it, it's exciting. Uh, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to work with those guys, work with this staff, work with the people that are around this building. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, something special. And we'll go ahead and finish up here with the last coach. I've got audio on with Tyrone McKenzie, Dolphins outside linebackers coach. And I asked him about his experience with Mike Vrabel, who, of course, was a longtime Patriot and played there at the same time that Josh Boyer was a coach there and had that connection come across as anything that he noted for experience within this system to get this job here under Josh Boyer. Here's Coach McKenzie. I think every everywhere you go is going to be a different system. You know, everybody has their own style of it. Um, so, I mean, like being with Dean Pease, you know, and, and Mike in Tennessee is different from being with, uh, you know, Matt Patricia or Matt Eberflew or Wade Phillips or here with Josh Boyer because everybody has their own style. And so the biggest thing for me um, is just to get there 
uh, understand the standard, understand the schemes that we want to run, and kind of take it from there. So there you go, assistant coach media, a little bit of sound bites from most of the guys. Next time, I'll go ahead and hit the guys we didn't get this time around, and we'll hear from every coach on this Dolphins staff. Until next time, that's going to be my time. We have plenty of content coming your way next week from the Combine in Indianapolis. You'll want to keep it locked right here on the Drive Time Podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Plenty of those still coming in. We appreciate those tenfold. Also, please give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins across all social platforms. Check out Dolphins today on the YouTube channel, as well as the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home.